Welcome to Money Grows on Trees. Money does grow on trees. A podcast full of practical, real-life money lessons that you wish you learned in school. Lloyd is a former lawyer turned lifestyle entrepreneur. In each episode, he'll be answering the tough questions around money, investing, and entrepreneurship to help you transform your money mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Lloyd Ross. All right, welcome back to the show, Money Grows on Trees podcast. My name's Lloyd Ross. This episode is titled 20 Personal Wealth Lessons in the Last 12 Months, okay? 20 Personal Wealth Lessons from the Last 12 Months. My personal wealth lessons that I want to pass over to you. So get a pen and paper if you if you have one. If not, all good. If you're in the car listening to this or you're walking, which makes a lot of sense because you're using net time, things that take no extra time, it's called net time, then uh, you're going to enjoy this episode, okay? Because... This is what I learned over the last 12 months, okay, 2023, that I'm taking in 2024 and I want to part, impart these lessons to you. So getting straight into it, all right? The very first lesson I learned, okay, is that wealth is a team sport. Now, I did know that success was a team sport for sure, but now I really know that it's a team sport because you can only grow your wealth to the extent you grow your partnerships and your your people leverage, basically, which is your team. And we've had a big network marketing team for a long time. And I can completely, um, you know, I feel like I understand people leverage massively. And without having that, there's no way we could have leveraged ourselves out of our jobs and built the business we have. So I got it. But now I, I get it even more. And it's all about, and I talked about a little bit, a lot about this actually in the new book, but um, it, wealth is about you helping, building your empire with others who are on the same path and where it gets a bit tricky and why you may not think that is because you may have been in business with people that don't share the same mission or don't share the same values or don't have, you know, like they don't work as hard as you or they don't see see a vision as much as you or they're not as clever as you or they're not as whatever, they're not as hungry. And it's very hard to build partnerships and business with people like that. And I totally get it. Okay. I've been in business with a lot of ducks. And I've also been in business with Eagles and it's so much more fun and effective and powerful for your wealth building when you're actually in a team of Eagles. Okay. So those who have made a billion dollars have created the most millionaires. Those who are the, who have become millionaires have created the most thousandaires. So I've helped a lot of people make thousands of dollars and that's why I'm a millionaire. So if I want to become a billionaire, I've got to help people make millions and millions of dollars. Now that's not an objective of mine, but it's just that. Wealth is a team sport. You cannot do it alone. And I think just understanding that, it'll force you to realize, oh, okay, I've got to become a people expert. I've got to learn to work with people. I've got to learn to, you know, find my tribe and find the right partners for me. And I've got to learn to trust people so I can actually get into business with them. And when you find great people, it's fun. It's simple. It's 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 amazing because you have like, instead of one brain, you have two or three or four or five. Within our team, we have multiple brains working on the same problem and it just makes things so much easier when you're not doing yourself okay so just understand that it's a team sport second thing you don't have to do it all okay this is probably underscoring that first lesson but it's you you've got to leverage other people's talents and skills there are people out there better than you at your craft even if you think you're great at it and the best they are better than you and if they do the work instead of you it frees up your time to do the next high level value thing okay so you don't have to do it all. And if you're doing it all, that's a big problem. And so it's about finding the who, not the how, okay? As Dan Sullivan talks about in his book. And so it's like, well, 
should I delegate? Yes, because if you delegate something, it's someone else's personal development. Okay, if you don't delegate, you're hindering them from developing themselves. Okay, and how are they going to skill up? Okay, so don't fall for this, like, I'm just going to do it all myself. Okay, you don't have to do it all, nor should you. All right, it's nice when you get rich together. That's what you want to do. Okay, number three, if your vision isn't big enough, you'll be distracted by someone else's vision for your life. And if you're a good person and you have great values and you have great work ethic and character traits, they're going to want you in their vision. Okay, I can tell you that now. They're going to drag you into their vision because great people are hard to find if you're a great person just make sure your vision for your life is big enough that it can't be distracted or you can't be siphoned off into someone else's vision because then you'll realize whoa i'm back in a job so as of course if it's your prerogative to go and follow someone else's vision and you're happy with that and that lights you up and that's going to give you a great life go for it but dream big enough that it actually emboldens like embolden your vision so it actually inspires others to join your mission and your vision. And you've got to think big and you've got to, you've got to say big things. Realistic, but big, you know, like it, it just lights people up and they lift towards that vision. Okay. So whatever vision you have for your life, share it with people. The right people will stay. But if your vision is not big enough, you will be siphoned off into someone else's. All right. Number four, having some fresh powder, AKA cash, Sitting idle is always handy, okay? Now, I've done YouTube clips before recently, actually, and I've probably done an episode on this show about don't save money. And what I mean by that is you don't want to get caught just continually saving money. Like, I know people, and I've met them and talked to them, where they've got four, five, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000 in savings. Fact, they actually have, right? They've got lots of money in savings. And for whatever that reason they cannot deploy it they cannot spend it they're not using it and that's the trap you don't want to fall into that's called hoarding and that's not going to make you rich it's also going to make you have a scarcity mentality you know to live an abundant juicy life it's not going to unless you have a very deliberate plan for the 600k and you know decisively where you're going to deploy it that all makes sense but most people don't so they just get into this process of saving 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 with no plan for their money so when I'm talking about this lesson, have always have some fresh cash around. I I think we have an emergency fund of all times of about a hundred grand of cash. It's there. It's just, it's a buffer. It's for unknown things because we're running multiple businesses. It's important to have it. But when the businesses are in growth and there's a lot of cash flow coming in, that hundred thousand is not as important. So it's kind of sitting there and that's the fresh powder. It's not like I'm trying to build up savings. I love to deploy the cash. But what I've learned in the last 12 months is very few people have cash, like like very few. And so even the ones you think should, they don't. I They don't. Like I'm, like you always got to ask someone, show me your bank account. You know, if they're trying to give you some sort of financial help or whatever or business help, like show me your bank account. You know, show me your results. And so oh, it floors me as to how many people who are doing big deals, they run into short-term cash flow problems. And so if you have some cash sitting idle, it can be very powerful for someone else to use. And you, as long as you trust them and you're in an appropriate arrangement, you can deploy that capital and make a ton. Like there's deals where you can double your money. I remember when Alicia was working at her previous company, they were going public. And when you go public, you have to actually you know, f f underwrite and fund the, the publicly listed process it's where a company goes private to public anyway in that process they were really short of cash and i remember she came over and said um they're selling twenty five thousand dollar bonds and it's like oh sorry they're selling bonds for 25 percent returns i was like whoa that's huge it's like you can 
like double your money in three, three and a half years. So it's like the, the payback period is very fast and they're bonds, which means you get paid for as the companies have broke. Now, I remember back then I was thinking, ah, oh, God, and it didn't quite have enough. I probably had $10,000 emergency fund. This is years ago. And I always remember, ah, oh, it'd be so good if I just had the, had the money. And so I learned from that lesson and I've had some cash idle for that very, very thing. And it happened this year. And I was able to deploy that cash twice and 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 get a really crazy deal out of it. So I love, it's nice to have some cash sitting handy, but not heaps. Okay. You want to put your money to work in assets. Number five, I'd be wealthier if I had it stuck to index funds. This is a fact. I, if you listen to the podcast and I share it, I think I did a, an episode on Instagram, the Q&A the other day, and I share my whole portfolio. Um, share portfolio. I should say our, because my wife and I, but you know, it's, I, I like to pick the stocks, right? So it's like, I really enjoy the process of buying undervalued companies that are publicly listed companies. I enjoy the process. I love reading about annual reports. I'm a, I'm, it's disgusting, right? It's my, it's my downtime where I read about companies, how boring, right? But I love it. And so I love picking undervalued stocks and I'm not too bad at it. There are people much better than me, but I'm not too bad, but I enjoy the process. But here's the fact, if I had a stock to like an S&P 500 index fund over the last 10, 15 years, we'd be way, we'd be much wealthier. So it, you don't have to be a legendary investor to, to beat them like to, to grow wealth. You can just buy an index fund, you know? And I, if, if I'd have done that, we'd be richer. Would I have been happier? Not sure. Because I enjoy the process. Okay. That's where you got to make sure your money's buying you happiness and not the other way around. Okay. And this is what I talk about in my book, money buys happiness, of course, if you've read it. So um, that's num lesson number five. Lesson number f uh, six. I'll get through this a bit quicker. Lesson number six, simplify. Even if you think it's already simple, try to simplify it more. And I th even this begins with your to-do list. Like you look at the to-do list, like how can I eliminate from that? What can I simplify here? Or even if your system's in your business, what can I simplify? I'm writing uh, the new, our new book at the moment. It's like, well, how can I simplify this? Oh, I've got to make it simpler, simpler, simpler. And Einstein said, you know, make it, he, he, what's the quote Einstein said? It was like, Make it as simple as it can be, but not, you know, not too simple where it doesn't make sense. So just look at what you're doing and can you simplify it? Because there's genius in simplicity. Okay. So I, I'm pretty, I keep things very simple, uh, including this show, right? But can I simplify it even more? Number seven, you should not manage that which you can eliminate. Oh, we're recently at, um, at a, uh, we, we offer this, my friend Morgan and I offer this in, in-person immersion day recently, the Versace hotel on the Gold Coast. And we had a few in there in this uh, cool suite at the Versace and we spent all day with them. Right. And one of the students at the end, you know, she's saying, Lloyd, well, that all makes sense, but what should I do with this and this and my book and this? I said, eliminate it, like eliminate it. it, it, it it's irrelevant right now. It's like, oh, okay. So I can just eliminate it. And it was almost like, you see the burden lift off her shoulders. I'm like, yes. So people are trying to manage all these things that they could just eliminate because they're not important right now for your goal. So eliminate things ruthlessly and often. Okay. Eliminate things ruthlessly and often. What is on your list right now? You've got it on the list. It's there because you want to have the experience, but at the end of the day, you're like, you don't really care. Eliminate it. Don't manage things you can eliminate. Okay. If it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. Okay. If it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. So if I'm a maybe about something, I'm like, oh, do I really want to do that? You know, if, if I can see that the juice isn't worth the squeeze, then it's a hell no. Okay. But if it's like an instant, hell yeah, I'm doing that. Right. So I've given up, I've been given opportunities. I'm like, yeah, that's a hell yes. And you can pretty well immediately feel it before you say it. 
and you got to be self-aware of the feeling. But if it's like a maybe, like, ah, and you're kind of tossing it up with your spouse, and then it's a hell no. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no, okay? So just, we have this thing now, it's like, we ask each other, is it a hell yes? And it's like, no, it's not a hell yes. So we're not doing it, right? So like recently, uh, some of our family went on a cruise for a couple of days and we were invited to go. And I was like, well, it's not really my thing. And it's no, because it wasn't a hell yes. Okay. So I think it's a really appropriate thing to remember going into this year about managing your time. Is it a hell yes or a hell, or, or no? Number nine, busy does not equal wealthy. <laughs> the whole foundation of my new book, Time Rich, is about this one concept you'll learn in the book. So when it releases, grab it and it's going to teach you a ton of time skills that's going to be translated into wealth skills. Okay or time management will turn into wealth management effectively. So I want to touch on that too much. Number 10, my wife is amazing. If you don't feel the same about your spouse, it's probably time to have an uncomfortable conversation, right? She's awesome. And if you don't have an awesome spouse, find one, okay? Or build one from who you're with. You know, you can, you can get coaching with it. You can go to personal development together, start with Tony Robbins and start doing things together and having real conversations. Don't have cappuccino level conversations, okay? There'll be tears. There'll be, it's it's messy, but it's worthwhile doing because you've got to be with the right partner. Number 11, your network truly does dictate your net worth. So in, in the last 12 months, um, I've developed and grown my network. I actually spend a lot of time with people, like quality time is is one of my love languages. And it's also what I've learned in business and wealth is very powerful. I spend a lot of one-on-one time with people. Like I'll spend time with my dad and obviously with my spouse, Alicia, but with other people too, business associates. So I'll go and have a meeting with them, like face-to-face. I'll go and do this. And recently I had a meeting face-to-face and it turned into a business deal where we're acquiring a business. It's really cool. So I choose who I want to be around. And I, I built this relationship over the last 12 months with a guy and he's like from super wealth background, like, like hundreds of millions. Anyway, just watching him operate has been a wonderful thing to see and and learn from. But at the same time, I've been offered opportunities from that relationship too that I wouldn't have had exposure to had my network stayed as it was. So as you're building your network, the the the, the wealthier or the bigger games people play that you're associated with if you're a useful and reliable person and they enjoy you and you can bring a level of value to the game, then of course you're going to get opportunities that are different from previous opportunities, okay? But you only get there because you've earned your way there or in some respects you've paid your way there, but it's cool when you earn your way because they know you're very useful to the mission. And so you'll get opportunities thrown your way that are huge and, and you'll be like, whoa, that's cool. I didn't know that wealth operated like that. And so you, your network does dictate your net worth and it's like, well, what are you going to do this year to bring to bring yourself around different people? And like I found, I've heard of that quote, you know, if, you, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And when you dominate a business, like we've done really, really well at network marketing for 10 years. And when we go into a room, we're pretty, you know, we're mastered that to an extent, to a large extent we have. Not completely, but I would say that we have, we're at the top of the game. And you know, you, you don't learn as much if you're in a room of people who are similar skills and, 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 and wealth. But then we were at a, the two com- uh, the the funnel hacking conference last year in Orlando, and we're in a room where you had to be earning a million dollars a year just to be in the room. But we sat at the table where you had to pay 250000 to sit at the table. Now you talk about being 
the dumbest or the poorest in the room, that's the type of room you want to be in. Those people there making like hundred million, there was lots. And so it's like, that's the type of room you want to be in on a smaller scale too, if you're starting out. So, you know, my, my advice would be like, we'll go into a room where they're making 250K a year if you're on a hundred, right? Or like go into those rooms and buy your way in or earn your way in and start shifting who you're hanging around. Okay. It does make a huge difference. Number 12, relationships compound very powerfully. And so like, if you can maintain trust in a relationship in business and not muck it up by shortchanging someone, taking the short road, taking the shortcut, you know, you know, being greedy, all that stuff. If you can avoid that, then the trust grows. And all of a sudden you can do deals with people. It's like, Hey, you want to do this thing? Yeah, cool. What should we do? Should we split it? Yeah. Perfect. What can we make? Like a million? Yeah. Perfect. Like it, and it's just simple and there's no contracts in place. It's a handshake. And when you do that, then you go, okay, hey, do you want to go do 10 million, a hundred, like the value of the relationship compounds. And so I see, I saw this with Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett's relationship over, you know, what a 60 year period in business, that relationship was even more valuable the longer it went because you can read each other, you know what each other's thinking, you leverage it. The trust grows and grows and grows. It's the same thing in a, in a spousal relationship too. Relationship, it compounds. And so you, you, it becomes more powerful. So if you find a good partnership, don't mess it up, basically. Number 13, money takes a long time to catch up to your success. <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen people where they're so skilled, but they don't have the money yet. And it must be, fru- it, I know it's frustrating because it's happened to me where I'm, I'm, I've been super skilled in certain areas in certain times. And it's like, where the heck's the money? But it does catch up. And we're always chasing, you know, we're always scaling up and growing. And you have to get used to the fact that the money is going to be in lag by a fairly long way. And all of a sudden it'll catch up and you go, whoa, oh my God, that's, where's that been hiding the whole time? And so you have to understand that it's going to be a number of years that go by, like years that go by where you're skilling up, you're growing your network, you're making things happen, but you haven't seen the money yet. It's going to come. You just have to keep going. It's like a big spring that you push down and then bang, it'll spring up. And you're like, oh, thank God for that. Thank God I didn't give up, right? Um, what's the next number 14? Time goes fast. Time goes fast. Don't spend it doing something you hate with people you don't admire, right? So it's too precious to waste. And 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 I think with all my mentor students this year, the last 12 months, one of the biggest underlying lessons they've all learned is they don't have to wait until they're 60 to start living the life of their dreams. They just don't. Like you can start this week doing the, th- crossing some things off your vision board because you're fine. Like why are you waiting for permission to go live an amazing life? Just go this week. If you've got these fantasies about, oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm like, well, flip it, go do it this week. Uh, who was I talking to? One of my students. Oh yeah. He's just gone into our elite program, which is our next level up. And he, he shared with me his vision, his goals for 2024, which is, we had a great call together. And, um, and he said, one of my, you know, my goals is to go to, uh, where was it? To Normandy. I was like, okay, cool. It's like, great. It's cause it's a personal goal. Right. And I'm like, awesome. So we're thinking about how we're going to get these goals into action in the new year. And I said, awesome. Can you go to Normandy this weekend? And he he laughed. He's like, yeah, I guess. You know, it's like, why are we putting off what we can do now if it's really important to you? So time goes fast. Don't waste it. Uh, Number 15, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Okay. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Okay. A lot of this in my new book, but, um, Try not to jam pack your diary with back to back to back to back things. Have some margin in your day. So 
when I walked, I walked to the gym now and I walked back and I, I listened to, you know, music or podcast or whatever. And I, I walk in the sun and I, it's just, it's my meditation time. It's like a 10 minute walk there and back. I do my workout, come back and it's like peace and there's no hurry to it. I don't walk quickly. I just be at peace. And so there's times in business and wealth where you're like cooked and you're just, you're getting things done. You're in action. But at the same time, make sure you eliminate hurry because just because you're in action doesn't mean you have to be speeding up. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, be a hundred miles a minute because the busy person has no time to make money. Okay. Wealth doesn't mean quick. It just means decisive. So it's more important to get things, you know, like execute well than it does to hurry. And I, I noticed this from one of my bosses and when I was in, um, in, in Abu Dhabi, he was, he was the head of the project, sixth largest project in the world. 55,000 workers, and he had delivered this project by the 2009 inaugural Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the Formula One surfer. That's a lot of responsibility to carry. And he was this, he had this like Texas accent. He was an ex-ranger and he, his name was Steve Worrell. And I never, ever saw him hurry. Fascinating. Here's a guy with all this responsibility, all this power, all this, you know, influence. And he just, and he had this deadline. Never saw him hurry. Never saw him run. Just walked. And the way he spoke, he was never in a hurry when he spoke. Oh, I just think that's amazing. So ruthless limit hurry from your life, okay? Number 16, stay in your circle of competence. Okay, stay in your circle of competence. Very easy to go out of your circle of competence, um, but you've got to stay in your lane. And I think it's like, there are times where you'll have to go outside your circle of competence because you're going to grow. But for most part, stay in your circle. So for me personally, it's like my, my competence is investing in shares and I stay there. I'm not buying tons of real estate. Uh, I'm not out there dabbling in trading on any crypto. I'm not, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm staying in my lane when it comes to investing. I, and, and even within the investment world, I'm staying in specific areas that I understand. And that's important. Same as our business. I'm I'm, we're staying in network marketing. We're staying in education and coaching because of what we're good at. We're staying within our lane of what we can scale. And I think it's important because if you get outside your circle of competence is when you get, you get hammered, particularly in investing. Okay. So play to your unfair advantages this year. What are you great at? What can you triple down on and stay within your circle of competence? Cause that's where you'll make the most money. Number 17, success is always under construction. Okay. You'll never arrive. So it's important to reflect each week, each month, each year, how far you've come. Okay. It's always, it's going to always be under construction. There's always a bigger house. There's always a bigger goal, right? Number 18, show up. Even when you don't feel like it, like show up. If you don't want to record that thing, do it. If you don't want to jump on live, do it. If you don't want to run the workshop, do it. If you don't want to go to the meeting, do it. Just show up. Just show up. It's so important. Number 19, your physical health is one of the most underrated wealth moves. And so if you're going to be a high performer, you have to be, what did someone say to me once? They said, you know, if you feed your thoroughbred horse a coffee and a cigarette for breakfast, you aren't going to win the Melbourne Cup. And so this is how people are treating their bodies and they're expecting to win the wealth game. But if you're starting every morning with just a black coffee and a cigarette and you don't go to the gym, you don't work out, you don't look after your body, you're not nourishing your body, you're not eating well and you're drinking too much and so forth and you're stressed, then you're not going to be wealthy because even if you've got money, you ain't going to be happy. And so it's like, it's such a 
undervalued wealth rule that you want to be in great physical health. In fact, I'll even go so far as saying this. If someone's physically out of shape, it's very unlikely I do business with them. The reason is because it's a very simple way to see someone who's undisciplined. And I want to be in business with people who are disciplined because people who aren't disciplined make... They get emotionally led and that can turn business pear-shaped and it can break down relationships. So if you're walking along and you're out of shape physically, it's, it just shows. Now, I understand that some people have, you know, like underlying things and so forth. <laughs> Straight up, I like when people are disciplined in their physical health because how you do one thing is typically how you do everything else. So does that make sense? So it does have an impact on your wealth gain. Okay. Now I'm not... If you're someone who's struggling in their health and you're thinking, Lloyd, you asshole, like, why are you saying this in your show? Well, maybe it's a kick up the butt. You need to go get yourself in shape. But it's true. Like, someone walking along out of shape, it's just a big red flag. So it's not to say they can't do business or can't build wealth. Of course, like, lots of people are out of shape physically or building massive wealth. But just disciplined, right? Like, consistency and discipline. Um, you don't have to be in impeccable shape, but look after yourself. Because you want to live, like, if you want to build wealth, you want to have a long hill to roll your snowball down. And so it's like, you want to live till you're 90. So if you've only got one vehicle to live in for the rest of your life, look after it. Because wealth does take time to build. And you want to explore it and enjoy it as you get older. Okay, so physical health, one of the most underrated wealth moves. Number 20, last one. If you want instant joy, buy a puppy. <laughs> so we bought two puppies this year. I uh, gave one to my nephew who's now my sister's dog um and we kept one who's elvis our little uh sausage dog we bought two sausage dogs so hey immediate joy money can buy happiness because it bought us joy and happiness in an instant okay so people can't tell you the money can't buy happiness i've never bought a puppy all right that's my 20 lessons i learned from last year that hopefully you can take on board and carry in 2024 and i'll and I'll, as i said some of these topics and lessons i've threshed out and explored and really ratified and detailed in my new book time rich that will come out this year so super excited for that because i think in the wealth game people are really not struggling with money itself so much as they're struggling with how they manage their time so that's what i want to help them with right so thanks for tuning into this uh episode that went for a quite a long time there's a lot of juice hopefully in there for you and um thanks for sharing the show and of course share this on your stories leave us a five-star review go check out the links that phil puts in the show notes there and thanks once again for listening to Money Goes on Trees podcast. We've got an exciting year of episodes coming up. Um, so you go have a great, wealthy week. Stay rich. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Money Grows on Trees podcast. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, Money Grows on Trees, which you can find at LloydJRoss.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a review, and feel free to reach out to Lloyd on Instagram at LloydJamesRoss. 